Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Hey, everybody. Wow, so good to be with you. It's wonderful to see you. If you haven't met me, I'm Andy, and uh, Lisa, my wife, is with me today. And uh, we're so glad to be here out in the West Shore with you amazing people. And I, I yelled it out from the front row. I just couldn't keep it in. I am so jealous of your international lunch. Please don't tell anybody from the Victoria location that you're doing it, because we'll have no one there. They'll all come, right? Uh, that's just too much fun. I'm so glad. I love it. You know, one of the things that we've seen as a movement is that the campuses are often the most creative. And it's where things begin. And then it kind of trickles back, back into Victoria. And we're like, why didn't we think of that at the Victoria location? It's just so awesome. So we love seeing all the creativity that's flowing in our campuses and especially here. Uh, Lisa and I just love you so much. And it's, you know, it's just such a... Uh, a warm place in our hearts for you. We pray for you. We think about you all the time. We dream with you. And we're so grateful that God has planted you here in this community to make such an amazing difference. So you really ought to give yourselves a hand. You're doing great work for God. And uh, you represent the kingdom in such a beautiful way right here, right here. It's really wonderful to see a dear friend, Steve Sumby here. God bless you. Uh, recently retired from Sandwich Baptist Church, amazing man of God, so grateful to see you today. God bless you. Wonderful to have you with us. Um, so today we're continuing in this series that really for us was foundations. We were talking about the foundational work um, that God does in our lives, and we've been talking specifically um, about things that we believe are going to create for us as a congregation, a, a body of a collection, really, a collection of teachings that will be foundational for us, things that we can share with others. So everything that's been uh, spoken in the Victoria location has been recorded, and we're going to keep that, and we're going to offer that to people so that they can just find their feet as they become followers of Jesus. And so, uh, yeah, we've been talking about the Word. We've been talking about prayer. Um, and last week, Pastor Adam preached on witness, and he's preaching that amazing message downtown uh, this week. And I'm here to speak about worship. I spoke about worship in the Victoria location, um, and now I'm, I, I'm just really excited to speak about it here. So I want to give you sort of some broad statements about worship, and then I'm going to give you some specifics in terms of how we practice as a community, okay? Are you excited today? Glad to be in church. I certainly am, and it's a gift for, uh, for me to have time with you. Let me just start with a statement about worship. It's an ancient statement, actually, but it's really good. It's really good, and it's simply this, that worship is enjoying God and glorifying Him forever. That's what worship is, enjoying God and glory, glorifying Him forever. Did you enjoy God this morning? Have you already had that sense of how good God is and that you get to enjoy him? Enjoying God and glorifying him forever. That is worship. Now, we could then take that so many places, as you can see. And, you know, I think it's important for you to know that the, the, the reality of preaching is that every sermon is incomplete. You just simply can't say it all. It's always incomplete. But just hear what is said today and allow God to speak to your life through it. So I'll give you a few statements. Number one is, there are many expressions of worship. 
I mean, if you look through the scriptures, you can clap, you can sing, you can shout, you can dance, you can bow, you can raise your hands. You can use all kinds of instruments, stringed instruments and cymbals and everything else. The scriptures teach us that there are many expressions of worship, of enjoying God and glorifying him forever. You know, the Bible also teaches us that the earth worships. Romans says, wow, all of creation is testifying. There's something going on in the creation itself. The psalmist wrote, the trees of the field clap their hands, right? And what's the encouragement that we find in the scriptures over and over again? Come on, come, let's worship. Come, let's worship. The invitation to those that are created, let's worship the creator. And also life is a call to worship. Like, the, the truth is, the Bible says, whatever you do, whether it be in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So life itself is a call to worship. Your alarm clock is a call to worship. Your car ride is a car, call to worship. Those few quiet moments in the shower are a call to worship, right? All day long, all of life, the way I interact with my friends at work or my colleagues um, you know, in the workplace, or my, my children in the car, Jesus help me, right? They're all moments of worship, all opportunities to worship. You know, worship is eternal. It, it, it exists endlessly in heaven. Isn't that amazing? That right now, worship is going on in heaven. It never ceases. I'll talk a little bit more about this, but there's living creatures that are around the throne that just say, holy, holy, holy. Just, it never ends. Worship is eternal, and so you're not, but worship will go on after your life ends. And after this world is over, the, the glory of God will continue, and the praise of God will continue. Worship is something that literally outlasts our lives, and so we ought to get good at it, hey? And God has specific ways that he wants to be worshiped. That's important. We don't define worship. God does. God defines worship. There are specific ways that God wants to be worshipped. And Jesus introduces us to this idea in John 4. He reintroduces us to it, really. It's an ancient idea, but listen to this. Yet a time is coming, John 4, 23, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In other words, God wants to be worshipped in specific ways, and the Father is seeking worshipers who worship in the Spirit and in truth. Now, if, if it says true worshipers here in this particular verse, we can, uh, you know, we can assume that there are false worshipers as well. In other words, that worship can go the wrong direction, friends. We can worship in the wrong way. If worship is true, then worship can also be false. And listen, God isn't seeking the public speakers, the charismatic leaders. God, God isn't looking for the gifted administrators. God, God isn't saying, who's the best looking? right? Who's, who's got the best outfit on today? Who's got their, their style? They're just like on point with their style. Who's got the most winning personality out there? That's what I want. No, no. Who has the most Instagram followers? It's not of interest to God. God wants true worship. He wants true worship. And, and I love this, this, um, this quote, and I'm quoting because it's not me. It's from someone else, but it's beautiful. And it says this, the human body is an adoration apparatus. Did you know that your body was made to worship? It is an adoration apparatus. That's, that's what it's for. It's designed to worship. You say, oh, Andy, no, 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 not me. I'm not really into worship. Uh, 
I want to challenge that idea, okay? I want to challenge that idea because I really believe that you are an adoration apparatus. And so let me just ask you a couple of questions. When we start to define what worship looks like in our lives or what we worship, let me ask you a few questions. The first thing is this. What do you always have money for? You know, when the money's tight, but we still do that. <laughs> is it that meal? Is it that coffee? You know my vice, right? What is it that I always have money for? That might be a clue about worship in my life. What, what is it that I do when I lose track of time? That might be a clue about worship in my life. What is it that I worry about? That might be a clue about worship in my life. Now, I encourage you, those three questions, they can rip. You could write those in your journal and think on them a bit. Take those three questions to the Lord and let him begin to help you to see what worship looks like in your life. I want to show you a few images. Just take a look at these images with me. We'll just go one by one. This is, you know, some famous person. People crowding around them just to get the scribble of their marker on their, is that a passport? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Let's look at the next one here. Uh, this is Uruguay, and they are really happy about a soccer match, is what I think is going on right there. Those are, those are amazing hats. Do you see the stars on the end? Wow. Let me show you another one. Oh, the Biebs. Justin Bieber. I mean, I wonder how many dollars were spent to get that close to Justin Bieber. Look at those phones out. Why do I show you these images? Let me tell you why. Because this is good worship. This is passion. This is expression. This is joy. But the problem is, it's good worship, but it's a bad God. It's a bad God. So the worship itself is good, but the God is wrong. And friends, can I just say in the church, we can be guilty of the opposite. We have a good God, but kind of bad worship. <laughs> Let the Holy Spirit speak to us about that today. You know, we had 20 minutes to worship already. Was there a sense of engagement in your heart? Was there an expression of devotion? Or, or did you find yourself just kind of watching the band, you know? And, and there's no critique there, just a self-examination because God says to us, come, worship. In fact, let me show you a, a, a call to passionate worship from Psalm 100 because God's heart for us is that we would all become passionate worshipers of him. I'm going to read the whole psalm. It's only five verses. Don't worry. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Oh, I'm feeling so invited. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations. And God's people said, amen. That is passionate worship. Come, bring your life. Let's shout. Let's sing. Let's be glad in God's presence. Let's enjoy him and glorify him forever. Let me give you three thoughts on worship. They're not really points. They're more thoughts, and I hope they help you. First one is this, true worshipers, because that's what we've been talking about, true worshipers, worship with awe. There's a sense of wonderment in worship, reverence and awe. That's what that's what Hebrews 12 teaches us. Let's look at it together. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, 
In other words, everything else can be. But the kingdom of God cannot be. This eternal kingdom won't be. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. Remember, we were learning that God has certain ways he wants to be worshipped. So let's worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. There it is. True worship is, is out of a sense of awe. And then verse 29 says this, For our God is a consuming fire. Wow. I love what's happening here in this particular verse because we have this invitation, and yet we have this call to awe, to reverence, consuming fire. Do you feel that? Do you feel the power of this verse? Let it, let it settle on you. God is a consuming fire. And you know, the interesting thing is here is, yes, this kingdom can't be shaken. Our God loves us. He loves us forever, forever and ever, but he is holy, right? He is a holy God, so so holy that the angels around the throne never stop saying it. And I talked to you before about these living creatures. I want you just to go there with me because there's, there's pictures of this in the scripture of heaven itself, the throne of God, and these creatures, these living creatures circling the throne. The Bible says they have six wings. Why? Because with two they cover their face, two they cover their body, and with two they fly. Why? Because God's so holy that I cover my face, I cover my body, I still fly. And they, the Bible says they're covered in eyes all around. Why? Because their eye is always fixed on the one who deserves the glory. So they fly around the throne with eyes all over them, and they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy. Friends, I want you to see that image because that's worship. That's worship. That's the way God built it in heaven. So listen, be bold, the Bible says, in your approach to the throne of grace because he's so good. But can we just be careful together? Never let your worship be absent of reverence and awe. Oh, let it be present. Let it be present. You see, the Old Testament really is all about worship. <laughs> if you read through the Old Testament, you learn, you know, how the Israelites were supposed to worship, how they were not supposed to worship. It's, it's images of them getting it right. There's, there's stories of them getting it really wrong. In fact, you get to Malachi, and he's just saying how wrong it really is the whole time. You guys have really messed this up. And, and, and the truth is, all of the New Testament teaching on worship, they use the Old Testament as a guide. And I think that's very important for us. When we think about worship, we need to go back to some strong theology here. And one theologian, his name is Daniel Block, says it this way. Unless the New Testament states that an Old Testament worship form is obsolete, it still continues. In other words, there are specific things in the Old Testament that teach us about the, the sense that we approach God with, the way that we approach God, and it informs our forms. And so I, I want to I just kind of, you know, take you to a place where it's like, okay, well, what is obsolete then, Andy? What is it that we don't do anymore? And I'm going to give you a few examples. Number one is we don't do animal sacrifice. That's good, right? We don't do animal sacrifice. Why? Because we know the Lamb of God, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world, who died once for all, and we give him praise, Right? We don't go to the priests anymore because the Bible teaches us that we're all priests unto our God. And who's our high priest? His name is Jesus. Amen? 
And so worship is changing in that way because it's now, that, that is what's obsolete. We don't have to go to the temple in Jerusalem anymore to find the presence of God. Why? Because the presence of God doesn't dwell in temples made of stone, but in the hearts of men. Amen? And your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so there are images that lead us into new understanding about worship. But understand this, so much still remains about what we learn in the Old Testament, about how we have this freedom and joy to worship God. So let's look at the Old Testament definition. Take you all the way back to Deuteronomy 10. And we're going to hear in verses 12 to 13, God himself speaking. And here's what he says. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, in verse 13, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Everything that was laid out was for your good. This is the blessing. And so God says, fear me. In other words, we're talking about reverence and awe. The word is yare, which means to view as superior. Isn't that good? We see God high and lifted up. <laughs> There's no comparison here. He's the Lord of glory. Walk in my ways. In other words, that's about obedience, isn't it, friends? Love me. In other words, let your heart get involved. This isn't cold and dead religion. This is life, friends. Serve me. In other words, bring an offering. Let there be a sacrifice in your worship. Let it, let it cost you something, time, talent, treasure. Bring it because he's worthy of it and observe my commands. In other words, I have a way of life. Live it. God has a way of living and a way of teaching us how to live life. And that's our way. Godly lifestyle, godly behaviors. Amen? It's all worship. So some would say that it's in the New Testament that we discover the picture of whole life worship. But don't you see it right here? That's whole life worship. That's you bringing every part of you to the Lord. That's you loving God with all that you are and all that you have. And listen, we work with a particular expectation on Sunday. And that, that expectation is that you've been worshiping all week long, right? That's the expectation. And so listen, Sunday is not a worship celebration. Sunday is a celebration of worshipers. Those who have been worshiping all week long and they come. In fact, the Jewish rabbis use this text when they describe worship and they call it the five verbs of worship, <laughs> And they are what? They are fear, walk, love, serve, and observe. And that creates a hand lifted to God. So this ancient, beautiful picture just has so much bearing on where we are right now. And so here the psalmist say, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And the, the Greek word, the New Testament word for bow down is prostaneo. It's talking about being prostrate, but actually it means to kiss toward. Kiss toward the Lord. I want you to see it here. The wise men bowed down before Jesus. Simon Peter fell to his knees. And one day every knee will prostaneo. Every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. True worship is worship with awe and with reverence. Amen? Okay, shake yourself. I got two more. You ready? 
Are you glad you came to church? Don't tell me till later. <laughs> Second thought is this. True worshipers worship with abandon. And how can we talk about that without referencing David? You know, the king who worshiped with such abandon. I, it's so beautiful. And this story in, in 2 Samuel where the Ark of the Covenant, which was really represented the presence of God, was being brought into Jerusalem, the city David loved, and into the place where he had prepared for the Ark to be to be held until the temple was built by his son. He's so excited. He's so exuberant. It's so, so full of exuberance that he says, he danced before the Lord, 2 Samuel 6, 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. You know, um, I'm not going to demonstrate. But I'm sure it was a sight. No, I'm not doing it. No. You can't make me. <laughs> But can you imagine the king of the nation dancing? The Bible says he was wearing a linen ephod, which was like a priestly garment. It was like wearing stretchy pants. I mean, he was ready to go, right? And he was dancing with all his might. And, and I'm sure it was amazing. And I don't want to do any harm to the image that you might have of a kingly, stately individual <laughs> worshiping with passion. Well, the Bible says that Michal, his wife, looked down. And the Bible says something really, really strong. It says that she despised him in her heart. And then he comes into the house a little bit later, and he says, you know, she says to him, Oh, wasn't the king in all of his glory and splendor today dancing like a fool in front of all the slave girls? Like, she was, she was spiteful and angry and, and ashamed, and she criticized him. And the Bible says this in 2 Samuel 6, 21 and 22. I love it. David retorted to Mikkel. It wasn't a, let's have a polite chat. It was, there was a little bit of, are you serious? I can't believe you right now, Right? So David retorted to Mikkel, I was dancing before the Lord. And then in verse 22, yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. He says, I don't regret it. God deserves it. And any humbling that it, it, it puts on me, so be it. Because my God is that good. And he is so worthy of my worship. And the chapter closes with a very, very key statement. It says that Mikkel was barren all of her days. And I just want to send a warning. You know, I want the warning here to be understood. That when you despise true worship, friends, it leads you into barrenness. Because God calls us to worship and to worship with abandon. So let me be clear here. To worship with abandon is not a determination to look foolish. Whatever looks foolish to you. That's not the goal. It's not a determination to look foolish. Worshiping with abandon is about being spirit-led, about being open. It's about being surrendered like David was. That's the point, friends. It's not about looking dumb. It's about saying, God, you're worth it all. It's about saying, Jesus, you're over it all. You can have it all. You can have every part of me. It's about being spirit-led. Listen, God is the very best worship leader. Why? Because he knows what he likes, right? So let the spirit lead you. Let God lead you. Let him be the one who leads you. That's the spirit part of spirit and in truth. So let me give you an example. If, if you saw this on Instagram, forgive me. I did it last week, so I'm going to do it again. 
you know, what if I said to Lisa, baby, she already put her eyebrows up. <laughs> baby, I love you so much in my heart. Just right here. She might say to me, well, thank you, but can you show that to me, right? Can we like, you know, go for a walk together? How about a chai latte and a foot rub, right? And if I said to her, well, I'm not really into chai lattes. I don't really like foot rubs, kind of a foot thing. It's not really my deal. But I really love fishing. <laughs> so the way that I want to express how much I love you in my heart is to invite you to go fishing with me. <laughs> right? <laughs> She's going to say, who are you trying to love? <laughs> right? Are you trying to love me or are you trying to love yourself? And, and I hope the picture becomes clear. God is a person, not an impersonal force. And he has certain ways that he wants to be loved. And the key question here is, is it possible that we've been looking at worship through our preferences rather than through the guidance of the Holy Spirit? And, and, and is it possible that we've failed to understand that all human relationships are strengthened and developed by learning to love the person the way they need to be loved? And in the same way, we say, God, what honors you? God, what glorifies you? Because I want to enjoy you and glorify you forever. So teach me, Lord. Are we loving him the way that he wants to be loved? Or has worship become about us? About our favorite song, our favorite tune? our way. See, because true worshipers worship with abandon. Yes, they worship with awe, but also they worship with authenticity. Let's make it real, friends. Let's let it be real. Authenticity. You know, this is where the truth part comes into spirit and truth. And truth, this, this word in the Hebrew is althea. And this althea word, it's actually a negative word. I said Hebrew. I meant in the Greek because this is New Testament. And in the Greek, this is a negative word. In other words, it means, it means not fictitious. When I say the word althea, I'm not saying truth. I'm saying I'm the opposite of fictitious. I'm as far away from false as I can be. I want truth. I want the opposite of falsehood. That's what I want. And so for us, it means veracity, reality, sincerity, integrity. That's authentic. That's truth. And so Jesus quotes Isaiah talking about the hypocrites of his own day. And he says this, these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce. Strong language here by Jesus because authenticity matters and authenticity is truth, but authenticity is also intimacy. It's deep. In other words, God wants our hearts close to him. That's part of the joy of knowing God. The enjoying of God is that there's not distance between us. And I'm so thankful that we can keep looking back into the Old Testament. We can look back into the Psalms, and we see David express his heart for God this way. And listen, listen to these tender, intimate words of David. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. I mean, even that, it's like, I don't want anything else, God. This is what I want, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life 
And listen to how tender this is, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. God, I, I just want to be near you. That's what I'm longing for. I, I want to see you. And I choose, I choose to pursue you. That's what David is saying. You see, intimacy actually becomes the prize of worship. It becomes the gift that comes to us when we worship. It's so beautiful. It's so rich. It's so precious. No pretense, nothing false, just honest and transparent, even vulnerable. And so, friends, as we close up today, because time is expiring, I'm going to invite the band to come. And, and I just want us to have an opportunity to respond because worship is a gift to us, and worship is about enjoying God and glorifying Him. I just, I want to do that with you one more time, and we're going to do it musically. Obviously, we know, even from the message today, it can be done many ways, but I want to encourage you. I want to invite you for, into a, a moment of expression with the Lord. Let it be redemptive if worship was distracted for you earlier, if the songs just didn't hit the mark. Let, let it be redemptive in the idea that I am a, I'm choosing worship. I'm looking to seek you. I'm gazing upon your beauty. It doesn't matter what the song is, even if I don't know the words. In fact, I want us to worship God before the song starts. So I want to invite you to your feet. And as you stand, can I just, can I just invite you into this prayer? This prayer from Psalm 141 too, because here's what it says. He says, accept my prayer as incense offered to you. And listen, and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Why? Why upraised hands? Well, the, the, the Jews always prayed and worshiped with upraised hands. Always. It was what they always did. This was the way that they talked to God. Hands raised. But listen, what's so wonderful about hands raised is it, it means something, the same thing, all over the world. doesn't matter where you are. When you lift up your hands, it either means victory or surrender. <laughs> One of the two, either surrender or victory. But for the Christian, it means both. Hey, it means both, friends. It means we win, and Jesus, you're amazing. It means, God, I give it all to you, and thank you for victory. You've defeated death, and my home is heaven, and I glorify you. It means both. And so, friends, I want to invite you with me today to just let God hear your worship. Even if you just want to say it, I worship yeah, you can say it right now. I worship you. I worship you. Listen, it's a little, it's a little bit different to go to church in a school. You kind of come in and you're going like, is it okay? <laughs> is it okay for me to be singing these songs and doing this thing? What if someone comes in and thinks we're weird, right? And also, it's a little bit funny to go to church in theater seating. What do you do in a theater? You watch, right? And so I want you to know it's going to require my dear West Shore family. It's going to require that you dig a little deeper and say, uh-uh, I'm not a spectator. No, 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 no. I'm a worshiper. I've come. I'm part of the collection of worshipers. I'm part of the ones who've been celebrating all week, and now my song is strong. Amen? And so I want to encourage you, friends. This is a joy to you. It's enjoying God. 
It's glorifying him. In every way, it's so fulfilling. It's duty and joy all together. And so I want to invite you. I want to invite you to sing this song with us now. Josh is going to lead us in that song, Gratitude, again. And there's this part where it says, so I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. I want to invite you to do that. Maybe that's not your thing. Let's try it together today, okay? Let's see how it feels just to say, Lord, accept my upraised hands like an evening sacrifice, even though it's only 1057, okay? All right, let's sing and let's respond because God is so good.